Hey y'all, it's Todd. Um, slipping this intro in to say first, I'm very sorry about last week's pod um, going up and then going down. Uh, don't know what happened. Couldn't figure it out. Uh, we've had all kinds of problems over the time, over the last couple years, and always been able to figure them out. And last night we could not, or last week we could not. Uh, but secondly, just wanted to slip this in. We recorded last night, Tuesday. It is now Wednesday afternoon, and we recorded prior to the announcement that the NCAA waiver for which JMU had applied was denied by the NCAA. And Rob and I chose not to talk about it last night because we figured that news would be coming out. Um, but did want to put a few things out about that today because it's the first topic on everyone's mind before we have a normal, really fun show tonight uh, where we talk about the spring game, quarterback thoughts, a little bit of receiver, uh, you know, all kinds of fun stuff going on generally at JMU. Big congrats to golfer Kendall Turner. We'll get there in a second. And a really cool overtime tonight where we look at the all-time great JMU performances in losses. Um, some performances that often get overlooked. So all fun stuff. But on the waiver, Rob and I have been pretty clear. I think we've been pretty consistent. We've always been really skeptical of this waiver being granted. Um, there's a lot of like anger and bitterness and disappointment among like fan base, program, players, like everyone today. And I'm not, you know, not to like diminish any of that or, or uh, say that those feelings aren't valid, but it just feels like I'm not sure. I'm not sure this one's as worth being as upset about as say like the previous conference's decision about not letting JMU compete for titles. Uh, Rob and I have been pretty clear for a while that like these waivers have never been granted. Um, it's obviously frustrating and there's a lot to cover here, but just four points. One, just let's all get our facts straight. It was, JMU could, could be, make a bowl this year. That was clear. So by being denied the waiver, they're not a full, they're not eligible for one of the automatic slots that the Sun Belt has agreements with various bowls to, to gain. Um, they're also not, you know, not that this matters because it's not happening regardless, but hypothetically, the Sun Belt champion could be the group of five, um, the highest ranked group of five champion, and therefore make the New Year's Six Bowl in the way that Tulane did last year. Um, however, if Jamie is not eligible for the Sun Belt Championship, which there's no indication from this waiver that they are, I mean, I, I suppose the Sun Belt could decide they were eligible for the Sun Belt Championship, but then the Sun Belt would potentially be denying. Um, you know, putting forth a team that um, couldn't be considered a champion. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. That seems like really ridiculous. Uh, you know, uh, we'll get there in a second. But as was reported a few weeks ago by on the Dave Rigger show, Kevin Warner and others, last year there were two or three, depending on how you look at it, slots uh, in various, you know, lower tier bowl games because there weren't enough eligible six and six teams at the FBS level. Uh, JMU would be eligible for one of those as if they were an independent this year. Um, this is what happened. I think actually happened with Liberty in the first couple years, first year or two that they were up um, making a bowl game early on, but it could be wrong on who cares about them. But the point is it's possible. It doesn't happen every year that there aren't enough six and six teams, but it's still possible. I'm and not sure I, understand. I think JMU would be an extremely, yeah, my watch says they're not sure I understand. Neither do we. Um, Jamie would be an extremely attractive candidate were that situation to occur again for any bowl, right? Say you had, you know, whatever. I don't know what bowl. You guys know better than I, we do. Um, so let's not like throw this out yet. That's kind of the first thing. 
the second thing is where does the blame go for this kind of disappointment that maybe isn't a disappointment? There's plenty of it to go around. As always, the bulk of it goes to the NCAA. Just ridiculous decision. They don't care about the student-athletes. They never care about the student-athletes. They care about protecting the revenue of their biggest institutions, which is what this rule was always in place for, right? They didn't want people jumping and diluting the revenue-sharing pools, uh, which is the most important thing we'll get to in a second, for no reason. They, they didn't want people jumping up because they wanted to be up there, and then they dilute the revenue, and teams have this like incentive to move up because there's no real penalty in moving up. This has hurt people for years. It hurts JMU this year, but it has hurt lots of other teams uh, transitioning in the past. Uh, it seems more ridiculous in this post-COVID transfer portal world where like programs are clearly ready to jump up to 85 scholarships and in JMU's case had like many, many kids coming back for many, many years. Um, but I don't think it's surprising and the real problem here is the NCAA got in a position where, you know, maybe JMU felt more confident about this when they first announced the move to the Sun Belt and the kind of year pre-year one stuff. Uh, but after Sam Houston and Jacksonville State and other like trash programs decided to also make the move up um, because Conference USA is a desperate island of misfit toys, uh, you know, presumably everybody wants a waiver, right? And then it becomes a real difficult thing for the NCAA to this for thee and not for thee, right? I, I don't know. It's Screw the NCAA, as always. They're the worst. It, it's just the worst. And they're screwing themselves, you know? If JMU were to go undefeated this year and be the great best story in, in the country and you just eliminated one of the best stories, you're so dumb. Um, that's annoying. I think there is some blame, and I think to be fair, we're, we're often very pro-JMU on here, and we, we are pro-JMU, uh, but there's some blame to go at JMU. I, I don't know where they got the indication um, that they thought this waiver was something that would happen, um, but given the past history, n literally never had been granted before, um, maybe it was a little naive to think that this was going on. I think one of the interesting things was that the Sun Belt the other members of the Sun Belt were particularly supportive, despite the fact that this would dilute their revenue sharing pool from the college football playoff. So the Sun Belt gets money from the college football playoff, and this would dilute, you know, the pool by one fourteenth. Uh, you know, but the other members were very supportive. I can't say that that necessarily has always been the case. I, I don't know whether that's been the case uh, with past teams that have moved up. But JMU's comms and messaging. It's not that, I think if you go back and look at the thought or the, the people that made public statements and the, you know, it's one thing for coaches and people around the football program to make statements um, when they're also trying to recruit. But I think when you look at the statements that the upper administration made, they weren't particularly, they weren't guarantees, right? <laughs> I don't even think, even if you go back eight or nine, 10 months, I don't think they were guarantees. At the same time, it had clearly, it was clear to us, and I'm sure it was clear to JMU, that fans and the larger, you know, JMU following public had gotten the impression that this was going to happen. And JMU didn't even try to head them off in that until the Kevin Warner statement uh, or interview in the last month or so. And that feels a little disingenuous. So, you know, not trying to hold anybody in particular to account. It just feels like, you know, it has to be said. 
And then the third thing is the media. I mean, I, I'm just frustrated all along, right? I mean, both, you know, the DNR had suggest, DNR folks had suggested for quite some time that this was likely to be the case. Now circumstances changed and, and maybe they shouldn't be quite held accountable. But I'm also frustrated even, we were frustrated today. Uh, both DNR and Richmond Times reporters who do great jobs covering JMU, but the tweets said JMU is not bowl eligible. I mean, that's inaccurate. They're not bowl eligible for one of the Sunbelt automatic slots. Yes, is it frustrating? Yes. Do real fans understand that if you get one of those like not enough six and six team slots, that's particular that might even be crappier than the crappy Sunbelt bowl alliances? Yes, the hardcore fans like us and like most of the people who listen here do understand that. But I can tell you in, in our households, our wives and kids just say, can they make a bowl? Are they going to a bowl? Right? They don't, they're not, I think there's a lot of people in the JMU world, like I, I think it's, it's frustrating to see tweets that are inaccurate. That is inaccurate. So that was a frustration today too. Um, as far as what does this all mean? And I'm sorry we're going on so long, or I'm going on so long about this. I don't know. The worst part of this is the money. There's like 1.7 million or something that JMU is not going to get from the revenue sharing from the college football playoff that all the programs at the FBS level otherwise get. That's a big, that is the worst part of this. It's underrated. It's, you know, we'll get to the other, the, the more notable thing is like maybe not, is not getting to go to the Sunbelt Championship game is not being eligible for a better bowl, is potentially not being eligible for a bowl at all um, because there isn't a slot. But the money is frustrating, right? Because I'm sure that JMU has earmarked places that would certainly benefit from that money, uh, some of which might be coach salary pool. I don't know, right? Some of this is certainly for student-athlete welfare, all this kind of stuff, all the things that the NCAA says they care about and then they don't care about. Um, but the money's the worst part of this, I think, more than the effect on the field. I could be wrong, but, you know, and players may feel differently. And I, I respect, I certainly respect, I saw a couple of players today, Q Reed and others being, expressing, you know, deep frustration with not getting, the, you know, they play for championships. They want the flags. They don't want what we saw last week where they got an awesome ring. And I think JMU appropriately and properly and, and absolutely worthily, um, were worthy of celebrating last year's accomplishments. Um, but players would like the opportunity to play for the Sun Belt Championship. Um, and they'd like to have that carrot at the end of the season. Totally get that. At the same time, from a fan perspective, I am not going to remember last season any differently, and I don't think most people, most of us are, um, than we would have had JMU played in the Sun Belt Championship game. Uh, we certainly, you know, that would have been awesome. It would have been really cool. I, I don't know. JMU, just win, baby. Like last year was awesome because they just won and they didn't care about all that crap. And it was even more fun in some ways that they just kept winning. And if they go, you know, nine and two this year or 10 and two this year, that'll be awesome. Um, if they go 12 and 0, it'll be awesome. And we can have lots of discussions and we can, you know, yell and scream on social media and it'll be fun uh, to see JMU Nation activated in that way again. Uh, but from a fan perspective, I, I don't know, you know. Um, and I can tell you this, I mean, if they win this, if they were to win the Sun Belt, which is going to be extremely difficult this year, given the, the much more difficult schedule they face, um, it would be really disappointed if they had a chance to win the Sun Belt and they didn't get that chance and then therefore didn't get to go play in whatever the best bowl the Sun Belt could have made is. 
At the same time, if Jamie is nine and three this year, I don't know that I'm going to notice the difference between one of those Sunbelt automatic slots for bowls versus whatever bowl they might get in for a six and six team. And whether they go or not, I guess I'll be disappointed. I'd love to see them play in a bowl. I'm looking forward to seeing them play in a bowl. But again, until next year when the playoff is expanded, all of this is kind of moot and Jamie will be fully eligible for the playoff next year. Um, potentially with four starting offensive linemen uh, back for the third year. Uh, as we saw last year, though, I mean, the main thing is the players, the guys are going to, you know, as we talk about the draft this week and we get to Sunday and then the potential post-draft opportunities, there's no difference for players in terms of their opportunity to move forward to the next level, whether or not JMU is eligible for a bowl and or the Sunbelt Championship or not. Like, their exposure to play in the next level, we see all the guys playing in the XFL, the USFL, the NFL, right? and then potentially having invites to camps and stuff this year. Uh, they're going to play UVA. They're going to play Utah State. They're going to play Troy. They're going to play South Al. They're going to play App. They're going to play Marshall. Like, There will be plenty of tape against high-quality competition uh, for those players. So I don't know. Um, it's certainly frustrating for them you know, maybe not to get a Sunbelt banner uh, certainly, certainly is frustrating. But it's, I still don't think it's the end of the world. And then as we saw last year, Jamie got ranked last year. They could get ranked again this year. They can be a massive story. If they go 12-0 and this year, they will be the biggest story in the country. No doubt about it. Like, they'll be a huge story, just like they were last year. If they get to 9-0, and something like that, coming down the stretch with App and ODU in those last few games, come on, that's awesome. Um, it'll still be awesome. So I just... We, we kind of, this is already 14 minutes in, but just kind of wanted to, I don't know, push the pause button a little bit on the panic. I don't feel nearly as frustrated by this. It doesn't affect the other programs outside of football. It, it will become frustrating again if JMU makes it through the gauntlet that is the first six weeks of their season. Um, if they were to make it through that unscathed, it will become frustrating uh, I don't think it's an excuse for the team. And I don't, I don't know. I just, I saw a team last year that showed up every Saturday ready to play. And I expect and hope to see the same this year. And I don't see how like this news changes much of that. I mean, other, and from a, like a prospects or a portal situation, I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't feel like those are the decisions, you know, if you're the kind of kid that, you know, if you're Isaac Ukwu and you're going to leave, and as we'll talk about in the episode, you're going to leave and go you know, potentially to a big program for reasons that, you know, may involve a bag, you know, NIL money, but may also involve just that opportunity to play at the highest level and, and get a chance to play at something huge, right? A Rose Bowl or a playoff slot or something. Completely get it. That's a different, that's a different thing and that doesn't change. Um, it's hard for me to see a player make a decision like I'm not eligible for the Sunbelt Championship, but I could go to like the military bowl in Annapolis instead of the like Bahamas janky bowl. Like, I, I don't know, like that by going to some other, you know, G5 type program, you know, high end G5 program. I don't know. That seems hard. And maybe the only place it hurts is if, JM, you know, if there's a portal kid out there who was looking at incoming to JMU like in a Centeo type situation where they're coming with one year of eligibility remaining, 
that I could understand a little more, especially if they had other options. Um, but I don't know. And we don't, that's all massively speculative. Um, but in general, a lot of frustration to go around. A little frustration, you know, NCAA, JMU, some of our media, you know, media that cover JMU, all of them left us a little confused and a little frustrated. But I'm, I, I don't know. The, uh, the end result, I don't think is all that much different. And next year in 2024, when the playoff expands and this really matters, we just saw today the NCAA release what would have been the 12-team bracket last year with Tulane in it, right? And that is a slot for which JMU will not be hypothetically eligible. They will be eligible. They will be among the contenders for that slot. Um, so we'll get there when we get there. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Thanks. Good evening and welcome back, I hope, to another edition of the JMU Sports Vlog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Oh, not much, man. How are you? Uh, hopefully I'm okay and hopefully this track is um Hopefully is you're recording. Re- is recording for everyone. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what happened last week. We apologize. We had a pretty cool show. We're basically gonna redo it this week with um post spring game instead of pre-spring game. Uh, but the OT is really But fun. everything we predicted would happen, happened. Exactly. All 100%. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, All four quarterbacks down to yep. the stat lines. Yep, exactly. And uh, no, and it was a little rough. I, it sucked. There was The weather didn't turn out to be that terrible on Saturday, Rob. But of course, the main part of the spring game was like the one, you know, the two-hour window when it really was bad on Saturday. Um, but regardless, game got... But it was postponed by a half hour, and then they played. They were it was fine, kind of cleared out by the end. Um, as always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Go by the shop there at the corner of Market and Sterling anytime, um, and mention the podcast and get a free sticker. So big thanks to Mossy Creek. Rob, let's start with the spring game, right? Um, we'll start with football. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Spring game or transfers <laughs> or transfer portal? Um, well, you were at the spring game. So <laughs> yeah. why don't we, what, what'd you think? You were there? I, no, you I, the I, weather? I, I gotta, I gotta confess here. I, I didn't go. Um, oh, okay. we, we bailed. Yeah. We bailed cause of the weather. Well, um, so that seems smart. If we're, if we're being honest here, I wouldn't. Yeah. Have there was a, we involved because there, we had a big group of folks, um, including our, um, some of our Mossy Creek crew going to the Rocktown Festival later in the day. And, you know, originally it was like, oh, yeah, the guys will go to the game a little bit. And then, you know, and then it was just kind of ridiculous. Like, it's one of those you can't you can't really explain it well. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Apologies if I wasn't holding up my uh, my fan card well enough on Saturday. Um, but the, I thought the biggest news. I mean, I didn't yeah. even consider going, so okay. good on you. <laughs> right. I mean, it's hard. There's a couple injuries. We're not going to speculate or dive into. There was like only real, really one injury of note. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic coming out that there's nothing worth reporting um, as far as it would affect the regular season this coming fall. So that's a good thing. Spring practice done. Didn't see, you know, doesn't seem to have any like season enders. Um, through spring practice. That's step number one. Um, number that's two, the main thing you want. That's the main thing you want. Number two is, don't know what, it's, it was a surprise. I don't know that it was a like huge, it wasn't a shocker. And I don't know that it, I don't know what it means, 
But I, it is certainly noteworthy that Alonzo Barnett started at quarterback um, and played the most reps with the ones in this game. Um, I don't know what to read into anything beyond that, right? Um, all three quarterbacks that played that we were kind of, you know, there's been some talk about a four-way competition. I don't think Griffiths, the transfer from Wake Forest, he didn't appear to be, he didn't get any time with ones this week. Um, we have wondered how much Atkins got limited time. Stat line looked good through a touchdown. Barnett's stat line looked good, led a touchdown drive on the first drive, which is kind of like, you know, maybe the most indicative of like a regular season type atmosphere uh, did not throw up. They ran it in at the end. Oh. The new kid Tyson Lawton, I think had the, the running it in. Um, but, and then Jordan McLeod got time with the ones and, you know, again, stat line looked okay. Uh, threw you know, did throw a touchdown, but certainly starting to question, you know, I think coming off of last year, there was all this talk about like, Oh, McLeod is clearly the starter. And um, I will say, Rob, I was in Harrisonburg enough this weekend and around enough people talking JMU football that that is not a clear case by any stretch this year. Um, and I don't know. What's not a clear case? The that, I don't think McLeod, McLeod is not a clear cut, like, oh, he's the transfer from Arizona. He's the starter. No, like, it, I, think I don't think both so either. Way, right. The game tape, the way that the quarterbacks were used, Barnett starting – and just McLeod didn't play till I think he was the third guy to play um, after Atkins, although he did play some with ones. And um, he did have good numbers, including a did. very long touchdown pass. Yeah. Um, but, you you know, it is not a clear-cut decision this year in the way that we're, I think, last year coming out of the spring, we were we were not sure. But there it seemed like the leader in the clubhouse was Centeno. And – you know, or as soon as he transferred in, basically, from then on. Um, this year, I don't feel that way. In fact, I, if I had to pick a leader in the clubhouse just from the outside looking in and talking to a lot of people, it seems like Barnett is that player. Um, and I actually came away wondering, is JMU done at that position for this year? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I'm not yeah. convinced. No. I don't think anything was settled. I know people have opinions mm-hmm. in all different directions about Alonzo or McLeod. And that's fine. Everybody's entitled to. I didn't go to the game. So, geez, what am I, you know, not yeah. for me. Um, but I'm not convinced that the starting quarterback is even on the roster right now. Yeah. And look, there's motivation here. I don't know what, you know, who knows? It, it just... It seems like Signetti, you know, I, my sense is if all things are equal, Barnett, who's the youngest and has the most eligibility left, is the one they would go to. Whether that's like all things are equal because everyone's playing well or all things are equal because everyone's not meeting the expectation or the hopes that the staff has for them. You know, and in that case, I think you'd go with the youngest guy on the team. Um I think you go with who's ever playing best. Who's ever playing uh, best and gives you the best chance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that coaches worry as much about the red shirt versus the year's eligibility as fans no, ever just, do. And yeah. I really don't think they worry about it gotcha. nowadays in the transfer portal. Yeah. Um if Barnett's your best guy, you play him, because if mm-hmm. not, you're you risk losing him. Yeah. Um same thing with McLeod. Like if it if it's clear cut that McLeod if McLeod doesn't think he's won the job, look, I don't know the young man, yep. but what's to say he doesn't you know, take off for greener pastures. Yeah, People do what they got to do. Everybody wants to play. Yeah, that's what we were going to – because that kind of leads right into the portal discussion. 
mm-hmm. which is there's been a number of names enter the portal in the last couple of days since the spring game or around surrounding the spring game before or right after. Um, none of them were expected to be major contributors until today. Today, uh, Even today's, we'll get to that separately. But I mean, the other, it's not like you look at this and say, oh, five guys left, so there must be something wrong. That's not the case. Four guys left who clearly have been recruited over or, you know, see the writing on the wall and weren't going to have a real opportunity to play this year. So I don't think anybody begrudges those guys. Um, And I'm not sure I. I'm not sure it was even. So the Uku thing steered out. They could have been, yes, I think that's likely the case. and then today we found out that Isaac Ukwu, who was about to play his sixth or seventh year, I mean, he was becoming the Andre Semenov of football on this team, um, you know, through no fault of his own. I mean, he had an injury year, a redshirt year, and a COVID year. COVID year. Right. Um, was announced that he's going to transfer. My initial thought was this sucks. Like, it does suck for the defense. I mean, one of the things that was fun, and it was, and it also just sucks for the, like, kind of, you know, now we're kind of done. I don't know. I was trying to think who else. Latrell is still here. But, you know, there aren't many guys that have been a part of, like, sort of the big runs of the past uh, who are still around. Last year, I did think one thing that was a real positive for JMU was having Percy and some of the, like, some of the holdover players were real, you know, it was a benefit to kind of culture and leadership to have those guys who had been through the FCS era um, around last year. I don't know. What did you think today, Rob? I don't really like, I feel about Ukwu the same way I did about Tucker Dorsey last year, which is like, this is a guy who, what do I know? But I'm not sure he's a pro, you know? And so maybe this is his one chance to like, if somebody's going to give you a chunk of money to go do this for one year, I don't, it's hard for me to say no. Well, th- you know? this is what gets me, Todd. And I, I'm yeah. going to, uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I, I'm not that upset. The guy, he's, goodness only knows, he's done enough for JMU. He's, he's, he's gotten a, a long degree. Yeah. He's, he's been like all conference, all academic teams. Like mm-hmm. the guy has gotten a lot out of JMU. So for that, hats off. He's an alum. I'm happy for him. He took full advantage of the experience. If he's graduated and he just wants to go shoot a shot and do something different for like mm-hmm. life experience. Yep. God bless him, man. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, people can gripe about the timing. I'm not going to get that bent out of shape about it. I, I do think there's very likely some sort of tampering or somebody going oh, around yeah. because I'm putting feelers out there. I, I think the timing is unsettling, but I don't begrudge him personally. Um, the thing that I get, and I, maybe I'm dead wrong, but like Tucker Dorsey, everybody just chalks these late season ones up to NIL. Somebody dangled money in front of them. I, do we have any indication that's ever happened? Like... Everybody just assumes like, oh, it's these big dollars. Maybe people talk about it and it entices them to go into the portal. But the idea that some bag man is coming by, you know, Bridgeforth Stadium after practice and being like, hey, Tucker Dorsey, come here, 50 grand. Like, where did, are these just rumors? Does anybody even know this is happening? I'm sure were, it plays a I, part. I, do, I, I, I mean, I've heard enough to think that at least in the Tucker Dorsey case, now that we'll talk about another case later, but at least in the Tucker Dorsey case, I think there was a specific offer made. Um, and I think it's turned out okay. Like, I don't mean that bad or good. I don't have any inside knowledge on this. I just, you know, from what we've kind of heard through the grapevine, like 
it was it was um, everything was above board and whatever he was kind of dangled worked out right. But I don't think that's the case for everyone. And what I do hope is that everyone is talking about, I'm not anti-transfer. I'm not anything like that. Um, I do hope that the kids are have someone around them who's teaching them the difference between, what, what did you say, dangling? Like discussion of a bag and Versus se- here's securing your deal. a bag. Yeah. Yes, yes. Securing and that's the what's bag getting me. People are like, oh, you thing. know, they're going to come and just six-figure offers for our players. I'm like, I, I don't think that's happening. I don't think no. backup linebackers in Texas no. make life-changing money. It's good money. You know, if he gets mm-hmm. a five-figure deal, that's pretty – I mean, that's yeah. something we'd like. Yep. If I was a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, that's a right. that's a nice cushion entering, you know, the working world. But it's these people aren't getting Bryce Young-type deals. I, I don't know. No, they're not. And I, I, you know, knowing a little bit about this, I think there's a – just there's a big difference between if you come here, this might happen, and versus here's, the here's, here's your endorsement, sign. correct? Or here's the check, right? Yes. You, you can go to the bank with this check. That's the point um, I'm trying to make. Like, and I, I know th- this is a factor, but yep. I just don't think these are guaranteed six figure deals. What's Jamie ever going to do to compete? I think some of this stuff it's just life experience. Right. Guys are like, hey, you know what? I've done this. I've had a great time at JMU. I got my degree. Yep. You know what? And let's be honest here. Most of these guys, you know, certainly the ones that were recruited when Jamie was in FCS school, probably dreamed of playing big time football. Correct. If you get an opportunity to go do that in a P5 conference, yeah. God bless him, man. I mean, right. I wish he'd stay. I like him. I think he's a heck of a football player. I think he'd be great next year coming back. But I understand the logic. He spent six, seven years at JMU. He's gotten his degree. I think he's gone on and gotten like advanced certificates and things like that. Right. But the guy is well prepared for life. It's almost like this is a gap year if he's not going to go pro between right. like yeah, yeah. No, graduating I, and starting the working world. And yeah, what I do that, that's hope a heck was, of a gap year, man. That's cool. Yeah, it is. Um, I do hope that like that works out for people, you know, that they don't miss out. I, I mean, you have to wonder. It's also a difference, Rob, when we were like an FCS team versus an F, that's what I noticed today. Like Uku was like tweeting out some of his offers. And like a couple of them were from other G5 schools. And I was like, well, like, okay. Yeah. I don't really get that. Like, I don't like, yeah. I mean, it it is kind of like, if you want to go to Texas or you want to go to West Virginia or you want to go to South Carolina and like the, that's like what the three players did last year, you know, and that's what you've been dreaming of for a long time. I get it. Right. I think all three of those, were very individual cases and may have worked out to different degrees for those three. Um, but yeah, it'd be weird to transfer to another G five school. I'm like, okay, like unless there's a big bag, like, I don't, I don't get it that I wouldn't get. Yeah. Um, I don't know the, the, the transfer portal. I, I'm still coming to grips with it. I'm not full too. like old man yelling at clouds about it. Right. I, I don't love every aspect of it. I do like the idea of greater player mobility. It, yeah. it always, I think you're the same way. I think you feel, feel the same way that I do. We're like, it always bugged me that coaches could up and leave and, you know, leave 85 kids high and dry, like no penalty. But if a kid wanted to transfer or sit out, that just, that never. Oh yeah. Right I'm me. totally in favor of the player mobility. It's the combination. With it's the, the combination NIL of this. Stuff. 
Yes. Yeah, that's like changed it so astronomical. And the timing and the the fact that in some sense it's good that coaches need to always be quote unquote recruiting their players in much the way like you, you got to keep right. your employees happy. You should always be treating people well and make sure they're happy where they are. So I get right. that. Um, I don't like the fending off other offers that kind of needs to happen. No, I know. And I really, really don't like how it's taken something that has always happened, which is kind of the roster calling and the – the coaches shedding players each off season right. kind of under the cover of darkness. It was never really acknowledged in right. many cases, but the fact that these were not four year scholarships, they were year to year, you know, Nick Saban is notorious for oversigning yeah. recruiting classes and just figuring it out and pushing kids aside. I feel like now it's given coaches the ability to rationalize that where it's still the same crappy situation they're putting kids in. But they're just being like, no, we think you should enter the portal and it's good for you. And you're still sticking some kid in the portal with no place to pay or get an education. Right. You know, at, at this stage in late April, that's crappy. And I feel like this kind of gives coaches an easier way to do that and feel good about themselves. I don't like that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird because there are definitely kids who this is a good thing for. In the right, the, the more open portal. Right, the, the having more ability to move around, there are definitely going to be winners in that. There's just also going to be losers in this, um, and that's hard, well, right? I mean, like the Dion situation is extreme. Well, that's and yes, just, yes. I mean, at the same time, it's a weird thing where, like in the old days, that was happening if you got a new huge investment in a new, brand new, high profile coach. They just didn't put it all out in the world quite the same way, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think again the fact that it they went through the spring game, they all all the hype, yeah, that's the new coach, yeah. and then after the fact, what eighteen guys have yeah. have been pushed the portal since last Friday? Yeah, that to me is a little unsettling. I understand when coaches turn over, mm-hmm. rosters turn over, but right. the way this was done and just him coming in, the whole new sheriff in town, and I'm bringing my guys with me. That's the part that's weird. It you know, is. It's like it's if a partner weird. leaves a law firm and brings all his clients. Okay, that's part of the business. Right. If a coach just gets hired and brings, you know, right. seven or eight of his starters from a previous program, I don't know. That just right. it, this is where I get closer to the old man, like screaming and yelling. Right. Like that's not college football. Right. But it's kind of not college football. I, I understand that it's a business, but you do like to think that kids would have some loyalty to the school or Yeah, it's hard. And, and right? vice because, versa. That the school yeah. would have some loyalty to the players. Yeah, because they don't. And that's what I mean, if you're Billy Atkins or Brett Griffiths. Right? And you are kind of looking at this thing and taking a step back. Like it, I'm not, you know, it's hypothetical, but like at least they have more options if they want yeah. them now. Right. In a way that they didn't, they just had to sit, lose a year of eligibility and not play forever. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, or, or till next year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. And we, with Dion, not, everybody's so acting like, this is going to kill his high school recruiting and it no doubt will turn off a lot of people, but it's going to turn off people like me who probably people like me and, and maybe to a lesser degree you or like people who weren't likely to buy into a Dion Sanders program. Anyway, I think the people that buy into Dion are all in on this. And if he were to recruit them, they're not going to care what their high school coaches say about loyalty. They're going to be like, no, not me coach. He's coming up me. Cause I'm the future. Like I, I, I think it all kind of, this yeah. is me saying, like, I always hope that things catch up to people, but they rarely do. I think there's enough people that buy into this nonsense that it could work for a few years with Dion. It, yeah, Just- it's definitely going to work for some people for a few years. I mean, I don't know. The hard thing for me with Dion is he was successful 
at Jackson State. So like like it was that part was pretty undeniable, I think. Right? Yeah, but you look at the recruiting he did and these supposed four and five stars, and still they were not competitive at the upper tiers of FCS. They're competitive yeah, for, with their own schedule. Their own schedule was kind of garbage. Yeah, it's just that's hard too. To, I mean, football's just a oh, harder yeah, yeah. sport uh, in that way because you need a whole roster, right? Yeah. I mean, in basketball, you go, you know, you take the right coach and the right NIL money, you can go almost anywhere right now and turn your program around in a year. Um, what was it? Kansas State had like they only had like one player from the team before, and they went to the almost the final four. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so who knows? Yeah, but. I, on the whole, I don't knock on wood, Rob. We've got a, what do we, how long does this portal last? Another week? I think like, another week. Another week. I mean, I'm really hoping that Uku is the last, you know, real big name that we see in there. You know, if, if, if that was the case, I would say it's, if we're sitting here next week and that's still the case, I would say like successful portal era or a portal year for Jamie. I mean, I, I think I expected at least one or two of these. The fact that it was Uku who had kind of come back, like kind of made a decision to come back late, that was a weird one. Like it, it, it was weird, but it wasn't unexpected or something. You know, um, it was, I, I just I remember think... at the end of last season, there was some discussion that he might be done with football, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I think the new reality is most teams, mm-hmm. and I don't just mean most G5 teams or oh. FCS teams, or most teams, you should expect to lose one or two starters a year. Yeah. But yeah unless it you're just, in the top 10 programs in the country, like, you know, unless you're Alabama. Or right? Georgia or something. Or Georgia or Ohio State. Like, I, outside of that, yeah, yeah, but most even teams then, are going to lose them. Yeah, but yeah. It, Joe Burrow. Right. Joe Burrow, yeah. Joe Burrow, arguably the greatest well, I think college football season ever. Great. He transferred from Iowa State. Um, yeah, I mean, quarterback's a unique situation just because yeah. there's only one guy likely to play, you know, the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. And if you're not the one guy, uh, I mean, what was Burrow sitting behind JT Bear? Or what was he? And I'm like, not even realizing. But I mean, uh, yeah. it's not, it, you know, that, that's how No, but I mean, it just happens. There are transfers mm-hmm. on every roster and there are transfers out on every roster. You know, you might lose a guy who could be buried on the two deep and then he goes and he stars at another p5 mm-hmm. stuff happens like this is just the nature of the game and no no school is going to get it 100 perfect okay um yep. i don't think that just because you know jamie is a g5 that it's going to be a net negative every year i do think there are years where jamie will lose more than they gain in the portal but mm-hmm. last year i'd argue yeah tucker yeah. dorsey was was to, if you could have kept tucker dorsey or Santeo in terms of portal, what would you take? I think every fan, no offense Centeo. to Tucker Dorsey, yeah. give me Santeo any day of the week. So like, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a net a, positive last year. Yeah. I mean, just just the guys on the defensive line last year. Yeah. Dude, Jamari Edwards and – I mean, we get Jamry Chroma coming back this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, those so guys Everybody focuses on losing too. Wells and Tucker Dorsey and Carroll. Yeah. I'd say JMU had a better year acquiring people in the portal than they did lose – than yeah. than they took hits. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I think they have a chance to do that again this year. We'll see yeah. how this plays out in the next week, but um, I also think JMU, I don't know, they're going to figure this, they're going to figure this out too. I mean, part of this is for all our excitement about it, Rob, they're still in their entering year two of FBS. Yeah. Like they've got to figure this change out too. And I, they did a fantastic job in year one, but like <laughs> there's still more, you know, more to learn. There's still a new kids in town. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I don't know. I didn't have a lot else from the spring game. I, I, it was good to see some new receivers catching passes. It's always fun to see like the skill position guys, but I couldn't tell you like who played well in the positions that matter, like on either line or at linebacker. You know, well, it's I mean? weird like, rules and yeah, with the red jerseys yeah. and everything and the scoring. But the big thing is, you know, you only have one big injury. It doesn't appear to be a season season yeah. altering type thing. Right. And uh, now it's, you just kind of, we're on pins and needles hoping there's not a mass exodus of the portal, but who knows? There's a lot of guys that didn't like the way they played at other schools last week and the week before at, in their spring games. And they could be in Harrisonburg in a few weeks on a visit and could be, you know, in Bridgeforth on Saturdays in the fall. That's what I think too. Yeah. So we won't know this all until this portal window is done with. And I don't know, sometime June one, we can talk about the roster after Lacrosse wins the national championship. So nothing else from football on the lacrosse note, just noting they are the second team in JMU history, joining the 2018 team to win, or no, they broke the record, right? They had won 14 straight. Now they've won 15 15. straight. Yeah. With a 14, seven win over Rutgers, which was their expected to be their last real challenge. And they um, met that challenge with room to spare. They do play at ECU this Saturday at noon in the last conference game of the year and then they'll be headed to the american tournament um, they did get jumped in the national poll rob i think we talked about this through no fault of their own just boston college upset the number one team syracuse and boston college was number five so like they moved up to number four i don't know i'm not even i, I really can't even be mad about that so there, there's a certain logic to that That's yeah yeah <laughs> like okay yeah so but i know there's a lot of hope in harrisonburg for some home games come NCAA tournament time. Uh, big big point is they need to beat Florida again in the AAC tournament. So that's it for lacrosse. Uh, congrats to junior golfer. Did you see this today, Rob? No. I was glad uh, Kendall Turner from Women's Golf uh, got an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. And I never know how this works, but like, so there's the team part, and then they also invite a bunch of at-large kids who have mm-hmm. great seasons who are because there's both a team competition and a individual competition going on in the NCAA tournament. So she got invited to the Raleigh regional May 8th through 10th. And that was kind of cool just because I think women's golf had the best season they've ever had. And then, then they had a really bad weekend at the Sunbelt tournament. Um, and had, so a little bit of a silver lining. Yeah. Like they had one, three, like large, and you know how these college golf tournaments are, there's like 20 teams in some of them. And JMU had won a couple of those this year. Like really, I, I got I got to correct you there. You just said you know how these college golf tournaments are. Oh, you don't know. No, how these no, I do are. not. Well, <laughs> a lot of times they're like this. Like it is. It's like a whole thing, and they invite fifteen or twenty teams. It's like a track meet. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, if you win the team competition of one of those, like you're really good. Even if you just win one of those, like you obviously were playing well. Um, much less for the way JMU played this year. They played really well, and then they just had a bad, didn't hit it. I mean, everyone who plays the game understands they had a bad weekend yeah. in the Sunbelt tournament. So congrats to Kendall Turner. Really fun. I did really enjoy, Rob. I know uh, just being down there and being around a little bit this weekend. Baseball swept Louisiana. Oh, my gosh. Like, where, what, Louisiana, who was coming off a win over LSU. LSU. Right. <laughs> midweek win over LSU. Yep. Uh, the number one team in the nation. Uh, looking like they've got, you know, clearly the best college player. Yep. But arguably, you know, one of the top 
the top or top five picks in the draft coming up. Guy betting like 460 or something. Took care of business there. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. This could be ugly. I was like, oh no. <laughs> JMU beat them on Friday night, run ruled them on Saturday night. Yeah. And then, well, they beat them Friday night on a walk off homer, didn't they? Yeah. Walk off, walk off, three run home run. Run ruled them on Saturday. Yeah. And then beat them pretty handily. I think like, another two or three homers on Sunday. Yeah, it was like nine to four, I think, was the final. Like, yeah, incredible. And that brought them back to 500 in Sunbelt play uh, yeah. at eight and eight. Like, so far, so good for, I mean, I was, we were both very nervous and there have been a couple of, you know, dicey series this year, but they're competing really well. Uh, they actually kind of were mad. They blew the game, midweek game last night to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. Um, almost beat them too, but they, they go to App this weekend, which is very another. You know, you'd hope to. They have a tough. I will say they have a tough finishing stretch coming up here, um, both in mm-hmm. and out of the conference because I think they still play UVA too. Uh-huh. But it's pretty cool that they've been competitive, and I think as much as you could hope for for this program, and kind of exactly what Coach Ike told us before the season, which is they were going to be fun because they were going to score runs. Yeah, you know, and that's what they've been doing. So. That was cool. Uh, and then the last big piece of news today, Rob, um, was field hockey is finally got a Mac. conference home. Yeah. So they're going to the Mac. Uh, I, we didn't really know like where they could go for field hockey, but, and it's hard to know, but it's reading between the lines. It did seem like both Bourne and coach Morgan, you know, were pleased about this. They have to play one more year as an independent this fall in 23. Uh, but then they'll join the Mac and the Mac is very weird for field hockey, like the American for lacrosse. It's not the full Mac. So I wrote it down. There were five, there's five Mac schools in the conference, Ball State, Central Michigan, Kent State, Miami, and Ohio University. And Miami is like the long time heavyweight in the conference. They're like the five time defending champ. Um, but there's three other associate members, like what JMU will be. App State, Longwood, and Bellarmine. So all three of those are like, you know, make as much or more geographic sense than even the rest of the MAC. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, if nothing else, they'll have access to a automatic bid to the tournament, which is all they really need. And I so think it sounds like the MAC for field hockey is much like you know lacrosse or hockey. Yeah, conferences yeah. where it's spread out. You know, like what is it? Yeah. the Big Ten for lacrosse? I think has like. Yeah. Denver and Hopkins. Yeah, they have Ohio weird... State, Michigan, and Maryland, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird amalgamation. Schools. Mm-hmm. But that's cool. They, I'm happy they got a conference affiliation. They put together a really good schedule last year. Yep. I'm sure they'll do the same thing this year, but it just makes it so much easier where you don't need to worry about scheduling You know, the full season. You can just count on conference play and have a conference tournament to play your way in. So that's great. That was the one program that was a little bit left on the outside looking in in terms For of sure. uh, the, the move up to Sunbelt. Yeah, and it sounds like Miami of Ohio, they, um, you know, kind of like in the AAC lacrosse with Florida, it sounds like Miami is actually like a legitimate kind of historic power here that will, I mean, it won't hurt them. It's not like it's a, they're not going down from where they were before or anything. So that's all good. Um, I don't have anything else, Rob. Ready to move on to uh, overtime here? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so we were talking, what we tried to record last week in a, so hopefully nobody listened long enough to hear just you talking, Rob, because it was you and then it would go blank and then it would come back. We didn't to pull you. it down. We didn't delete it. 
No, we did delete it, but oh, okay. it was up for like 12 hours or something while we didn't realize what was going on. You God know? bless. Well, if yeah. I think we should issue refunds, much like Tottenham. <laughs> if anybody did listen, you know, hit us up and we'll give you the full cost right back right. of zero dollars. I was like, what is the full cost? Like one <laughs> slice of pepperoni? Yeah. Okay. Did you see the Tottenham thing that I'm referring to, by the way? I did. Didn't they? Yeah. What, they went to Newcastle or something? They went to Newcastle. Yeah. They lost... 5-1 and we're down five goals in 20 minutes. And um, I think the players collectively agreed to refund the fans money for anybody who traveled to to see the match at Newcastle. Yeah, I thought about this one and I was like, you know, that's a pretty good gesture from the players. It also like, players shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> like, no, it should Like we are the idiots who did this. And sometimes, I mean, what did they, they didn't throw the game, you know? Like, no, they just got whooped. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I was like, the Premier League is crazy, by the way, and Arsenal's about to blow it. Yep. Um, They they lost today, and I think doesn't Manchester City have like two or three games? They have two games in hand. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Um, I don't know. I'm just freaking Everton. So, oh boy, they're going down. They may not be. They're they've got they're tied for the bottom there. So didn't have a bad result yesterday, but yes, they need to win. Two of their last, they have two winnable games in the last five. Well, I mean, three games they cannot win, <laughs> and they need points from the other two. So oh, it's miserable. But okay, Rob, what was your? How did you start us off last week on? Um, or how would you like to start with um, best performances in a loss? Best performance in a loss. Well, last week, if you remember, um, I completely screwed it up, and I I hadn't done any homework. I didn't know we were redoing this topic. Oh, no. So once yeah. again, I did no homework. So I, so I will go back to what I said last week for anybody who did not listen. And I hope that is all of you yeah. who did not listen. Um, I viewed it from the prism or from the perspective of rather than individual loss, like strong performances on otherwise, can we just say unsuccessful teams? Yes. And, and the one that jumped out to me above all others was Arthur Motes, his oh, senior yeah. year. I just thought he was an absolutely fantastic football player. I don't want to say, I don't know if it was a, it couldn't have been a bad team because Jamie hasn't had a bad team since 20 years. Right. You know? So it was no, right. maybe a 500 team or, or game over 500, but it was not a championship team. It was not a team that anybody is going to be, you know, writing books about or remembering fondly. It was just kind of a mediocre team, but he was an absolutely outstanding player. Um, yep. Just at a position that, you know, you can notice, obviously, a guy gets after the quarterback, but doesn't jump out at you in the stands the way that Moats did. And I know I, I took guys to games that year who had not been back or weren't really following JMU closely. And this was a time when you really, you could seek them out on television occasionally, mm-hmm. but you really had to, you had to be a hardcore fan to watch this team and follow them. But Moats was a guy, you'd bring people back, they'd be sitting in the stands and just the casual point would be like, whoa, who's that guy? He's different. And I remember, I remember Jamie Mottram coming to a game with me and just going, hey, that guy right there, he's playing on Sundays, <laughs> right. not knowing anything about him. And he was right. Now, what was he, a fifth round pick that year from the Bills? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he was just great. I just thought like on an otherwise kind of forgettable team that oddly, though, if you go back on the roster, had a lot of names you'd remember, a lot of really good players. They did. Just didn't really come together. So for me, um, Moats was kind of the example of an otherwise forgettable experience in terms of wins and losses, mm-hmm. but just an outstanding career and a guy that, you know, they'd say you'd pay to watch him in college. And I absolutely would pay to watch him. No doubt. Yeah. 
It's so much fun. Um, I feel like they, they must have had some success during one. Anyways, I don't know. We'll get corrected on that. Well, they had winning records. They weren't yeah, terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, they're not. That's an example of kind of being victims of JMU's success. Mm-hmm. You go two games over 500, and I don't know, let's say you beat William Mary or Richmond, like, you have overall, like, memorable moments. You get lost in the giant pile of success that was, oh, for sure. you know, national championships and deep playoff runs and, you know, FBS campaigns. Right. It's just one of those things. Like they were not bad. Uh, do not, do not think that I'm saying that. No, no. They just were kind of like mediocre and very fortunate for us. Mediocre counts as kind of forgettable to Jamie in the past 20 years. Yeah, it does. That's the hard Or not part. even mediocre, decent, you know, decent. like good. They were better than yeah. mediocre. Mediocre yeah. to me is like 500, but they were not. Yeah. Um, well, I'll stick with the football theme then. I think that's what I am trying to do here. Um, the one I was thinking of, so I did interpret it as performances in a particular game. like or Well, I would hope so. It was your topic. Games. So. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I know my football one was Dean Marlowe in that playoff loss to Liberty in, I think, 14. But he had 12 tackles, two interceptions, and two tackles for loss in that game. And Was uh, that the Weathers year when Vad got hurt? And it was. Started. Yeah. yeah, I I feel like bad played or I don't remember what the Yeah. Um I don't know. But that one just stood out and you're like, it's so funny. The one thing that's really funny from that team is those defenses on the Withers years were so bad. But so many good but players. They were so good. Like how were yeah. that bad? Like the coaching, incredible. Yeah, that's Dean Marlowe, Simeon Robinson. Kyrie Hawking, Sage Harold, Alex Mosley, Jimmy Moreland, Marquise yeah. Woodyard, Taylor Reynolds. Yeah, that Kyrie Hawking. Yeah. That great was a, players. They had really good players. <laughs> Herford was on that team. Yeah, there's all these guys. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Um that they and were poor coach. And Stanley was the DC or yeah, co DC, wasn't it? Something like that. But God, it's no wonder those guys on you know. Some of them have failed upwards and some of them have just failed. It's, the, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like I I know I couldn't believe it. I went back and looked at the stats and it's like, how were all these guys on that defense? Yeah, it's like, staggering. Isn't it? Like unbelievably bad. So but still, no doubt about Dean Marlowe. Yeah, so, he was he was great. Yeah. And he's a guy that I think gets a little bit overlooked in the conversation for like JMU all timers. Yeah, he does. It's because of those years. Like he yeah. played in the Withers era. Like, yo. Party in the end zone. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. And he's gone on to have like a really solid career. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's well, I mean, awesome. he's still playing. He's defied yeah. the odds. He's had a longer than, longer than average NFL career. What's the, the average is what, two and a half years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Two and a half, three years. Yeah. He's got what, five now? Yeah. At least six, seven. I don't, yeah. No, more than that. Yeah, because that was 14 and it's 23. Yeah, he's got like at least eight. So I mean, that's that's yeah. remarkable. Him and Daniel Brown. Yeah. Daniel Brown was a guy who kind of just I think was really, really admirable in the way that he was able to like hang on rosters and then yes. make his way from the practice squad onto the roster, then make you know, from the roster onto the field, mm-hmm. just over and over and over again. And I wouldn't say that he ever broke through in terms of like everyday starter or guaranteed to be on the 53 man. Right. But the guy was just gritty. Like he just kept hanging around and yeah. I don't know. That's just, uh, I really look Curtis. up to him in a lot of ways, the way he was yeah. able to persevere and do it. And he was on that Marlo team. team, by the way. Yeah. He won- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he was on that team. So yeah. And again, he, he was 
cash in NFL paychecks for one seven or eight years. Another, seven or eight years. Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty damn awesome. You know, yeah, he found the end zone, I think, a couple of times. Didn't he with the Jets? Or the yeah, Bears? he did. Like, yep. Yep. Um, I don't know. It just, that's really cool to see people yep. like fighting for their, like this guy in the Pirates. Did you see the, oh, the I saw 33 year old guy? That they called up. Yeah. And they've they been having got, like a great start too, right? Like they, they've been, yeah. Them and the Rays and the Orioles have been red hot and like yeah. three very low payroll teams. But for people that don't follow baseball, there's this guy who's played like, I think, over a thousand games in the minors, 33 years old. Um, got called up by the Pirates on Saturday night. Sunday was there for the game, didn't play. I think he got an at-bat tonight. Okay. He struck out, but still, like, that was his first at-bat. He had been called up years ago with, I think, when he was with the Twins. Okay. But didn't get an at-bat, so no official stats. And now, even though he struck out, like, that's pretty darn cool, man. 13 yeah. years grinding away. Yeah. Now he's in it. He's a big leaguer. He got that at-bat. He's got, you know, baseball reference page. Yeah. Um, that stuff's cool. And I, I feel the same way to a lesser degree about a guy like Daniel Brown, who just, the guy pushed and pushed and pushed yep. and was able to hang around on rosters. And that's just so cool. Even if they're not, you know, cashing Super Bowl checks or playing in the pro bowl, it's pretty yeah. damn awesome to see somebody achieve their dream like that. For sure. All right. What's another one performance in a loss, Rob? Who can we talk about Julius Wells? Oh yeah. That was a good just, one. Was, was it, was he one no, of no, kid? no, that was a good one. Yeah. I like okay. That. I just, he was a good guy that, you know, had a lot of talent, was on these kind of injury plague teams that <laughs> could never put it together. Yes. Had a couple really good years. Again, yes. this is not somebody who didn't do anything. The, one of the years with him and Wells, they were very good, you know, won 20 games. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, he played under Brady. So every other year you're going to win 20 games. Yeah. Um, but I just thought he was a guy that is somewhat overlooked, maybe because of the way it ended and mm-hmm. he had an injury that kind of, ended his career a little bit early. It was a heart ailment, I believe. Was it not? Something like that. Yeah. He had some sort of like congenital thing, but um, again, he, he was not on bad teams. I just think he's a little bit overlooked because of the time that he played in. And the fact that JMU basketball was overall kind of just a no man's land for a lot of years. So he's a guy who I think was certainly part of a lot of big wins and big victories. I went back through those years and there's some Denzel Bowles performances oh, yeah. in losses. <laughs> that of course there are. They look so yeah, good on I mean, the stat sheet. They don't explain. on the stat sheet. Well, he was never a defensive genius. We know that. But oh, man. the guy had a lot. He was a double double machine, mm-hmm. and that's something in college. And so there were a lot of games where, you know, we might not have gotten the win, but Denzel had 25 and 14 or something like that. And you see so many of those if you go back to the old box scores that. There isn't one single one that jumps out, but just the fact that that guy could do that night in, night out. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's, I'll, I'll go on a little bit of tangent here. So I'll stop after this one statement. But like, he is one of the ones for me is like, not, not a guy mm-hmm. who under, like, he was just so close to, he, he should have been the all time great, in my opinion. Yes. He was one like every time they played the game, every time they threw the ball up, yeah. I thought he could go for 35 points. Oh, no He just doubt. had that sort of potential. So like he was a lot of fun to watch. They had a couple good years. They beat VCU the final game of the regular season. The year VCU went to the final four. Oh, yeah, yep. yep. Um, you know, they, there are some memorable things, but like it still frustrates me that they couldn't really put it all together. Because for me, pound for pound, he's as good offensively as anybody Jamie's had in the past 25 years. 
but just so uninterested but on the other he, end. He also played. Yeah, he also but was he also, on the other side of the court. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I mean, oh, like it's just so hard. So again, it's not in a loss, but in terms of great, but with a downside. Yeah, that's my mind goes to him. Yeah, and Julius as well, just because Julius was oh, yeah. I thought, the really snake bit element of his career for sure. Yeah, you know, coming in with Devon and Seminov, and like they could oh, never yeah. really get all healthy together. So nope. exactly. Um, well, I'll go to the other side on basketball, and I know one of the ones I wanted to talk about was the I had forgotten about this one, but Tariq Hislop in the WNIT championship in thirteen. That's the women's team that went all the way to the championship, lost a home game to a garden show at some point yes. um, like or some kind of tractor pull or something. I don't know. But they went all the way to the WNIT final and they lost 85-80 to Florida in a really competitive game. And uh, Hislop had 26-4-6 and six that um, for them in the title game and did not get like, you know, no. There were other great players on the team and they just – she kind of carried them that night. So um, that's an unbelievable performance in a like big, big game, you know, or it felt like a big game. It, it was a big game. It I mean, was a big game. Playing for a WNIT championship. Yes. Yeah. That's, a, that's so, a huge game. That's no, yeah, no, that's no stretch to say that. So just loved that one. Um, that was my only other hoops one. Or no, I have a, actually I have another hoops one, but that's a, Which one I, I, I thought you too. There, there were two yeah, we talked the about last I was week. talking about was Clayton Ritter. Yeah. Um, in the 93-94, in the 94 NCAA 94, loss yeah. also to Florida, but the 93-94 Andrew season. DeClerc. Uh, yeah, so the future NBA player, Andrew DeClerc, played Ritter a big part of holding DeClerc to only six points. Uh, but DeClerc, I mean, Ritter on the offensive end for JMU had 27 on 12 of 19 shooting mm-hmm. in a game that was like a, that was one of those old, like when back in the defensive era. Right? I think the final score was like 64-62 or something. Yeah, you know, and DeClerc um, kicked the ball down the stretch, and the ref didn't call it. I remember that. That ref, Ed Hightower, I'll never forget yeah. it because he's yeah. been refing forever since then. And I'm, every time I see him, I'm like, "Friggin' ref!" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was. And Lou Rowe just had a tough night that night. Kaluko had a tough night that night. Um, I don't know. I just remember thinking, like, God, he's not getting help from the guys who usually bail him out here. That was a really talented team because Darren McClinton was on that team as well. McClinton, yeah, McClinton actually had 14 in that game. I went back and looked that up. Um, McClinton played a, was, played pretty well. Uh, looks Ryan like Colcerto was a freshman. Was, was Charles Lott was there. on the team or was uh, Charles Lott the next year? Must have been the – no, Lott was on the team. Yeah, he played 14. But he didn't play much. He and, he no, and, he, him and Colcerto didn't play much at all back at that but point. But they end up yeah. being pretty good players for no Yeah, Ritter, years, so. Leonard, Coluco, Rowe, Robinson, McClinton – were kind of the main guys. Yeah. Um, Man, McClinton was fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what a night from Clayton Ritter. So that's yeah. One. Yep. Well, Todd, the and other then, one in basketball, and you touched on it, and yeah. I'm surprised you did it last week instead of me, since this is my <laughs> guy and the ultimate what could have been. But Andre Nation against Indiana. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it 24 and looked like, you know, it's it's funny because they were never in that game too much, right? They but, weren't. It was like they ran out of gas. They had such a fun game against LIU Brooklyn yep. in the play-in when I was very anti-play-in until that game. And then I was like, wow, this is really awesome. You know, you had a chance. Yeah, to we got to win a game. Yeah, exactly. You get a full share. Counts yeah. as any other win. Um, then it just, that was the team with Oladipo. And was it, who else was, who was the big 
the big man on that team for Indiana. Oh, um, Zeller. One Zeller. of the Zeller brothers, right? One yeah. of the Zellers. Yeah. Like, that was a really good Indiana team. They were, were they overall number one? Or they were definitely. I think they one. were. If they weren't one, they were two. I mean, they had been yeah. right at number one all year. Yeah. Like, that was a great team. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work out. But, like, when everybody else kind of just faded out, Nation just kept going as if he was completely unfazed not too big for the moment was just going right at guys. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like it was all garbage time. I mean, this was, it's still the NCAA tournament. He's going at him. And I remember watching that and just thinking like, Oh my gosh, this is great. Like he's getting his first taste. Now imagine when he goes back to maybe three more times in his career. Right. <laughs> Cause I really felt that way with him and cook and uh, Curry. Oh yeah. And unfortunately it just never really worked out, but no, that was yeah, that, that's one with yeah. Denzel being what I think, you know, the, the most talented guy nation to me at the highest ceiling. And that's the one that really kind of, uh, it just, it kind of hurts me thinking about what could have been and For some sure. of the struggles that guy's had personally. Yeah, no doubt. Um, that's, 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 it's a tough one. He was so fun. Remember like all the interviews, like he was oh, kind him. of the breakout personality. He from was. The team. And AJ Davis, everything. It just, what a, yeah, it's been such a, been a tough one for that group. it's been a real tough one yeah yeah so i know well my last one was um my favorite one of all that i had kind of forgotten it like stuck in my memory and i thought should i go look this up and then i went to look it up is it's been lost because of the players at this position but the megan good performance for softball against lsu against lsu in the super regional at home in 2016 as a freshman was unbelievable. And I had actually kind of forgotten because obviously Megan Good would have this topic made me forget about the LSU series because, or not the topic, but normally I remember the, the doubleheader at Michigan later in her career where she pitched every, like they, but they won, right? They won, the, that was how they got out of the regional or whatever. That was the year they went to UCLA, I think, and lost in the super regional. Um and that performance was incredible, but it happened in a win. And so that's the one that sticks in my mind. What I had forgotten is the LSU one had Jalen Ford at the time, but it was Megan Good who pitched JMU one game one, three to two. She had two home runs and four innings pitched um, with one earn against her in the game one. In the second game, they lost two nothing on two homers, but like that was it. I mean, they played a real tight game. In the third game, she pitched three innings gave up no earn and hit another home, two more home runs as Jamie would lose the final game. Like an unbelievable performance. Like, like I just well, had forgotten how much there was. Yeah. We can go back and check, but I believe her senior year at one point late in the season, it might've been all season. She had hit more home runs than she'd given up. Yeah. I think it, it has to be way more. Yeah. Which it, is, it's just, I understand that like, it's softball and you've got pitchers that can just throw and throw and throw and, and they often are the best athletes and strongest hitters. But like that still shouldn't happen. That's a Shohei yeah. Otani thing. Like Shohei yeah. should not be happening. Mm-hmm. Megan Good's senior year should not be happening. Like you watch it and you're excited and you're cheering for it, but you're like, how is the best power hitter also this lights out pitcher? Right. You have two home runs and you get the win in game one. Yeah. You does not compute. Struggle a little bit, but you lose two nothing in a tight game, and then you hit another homer, and you know almost get the win in game three. Like incredible, yeah. <laughs> so um, that one was really fun to think about, it, and it's just 
it's also funny too because we've seen like all the wonderful stuff from Odyssey, but a lot of that was in a win, you know, in these really memorable wins. Um, you know, she was great in the whole series, but it's just funny because we've had these other pitchers have these big moments, and that one's pretty great. So yeah, that was my last one. Rob, it's good to talk to you. Uh, hopefully, this will be actually recorded, and we'll have something to put up tomorrow. And I don't know. We'll talk next week after the lacrosse selection show on Sun. Sun I assume that's on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I don't even know, to be honest with you. But no, no. Excuse me. It can't be. It has to be. It can't be. No, is it conference tournament the next week? Yeah. Okay. I was like, conference wow, they're going to play conference week, tournament in three days. Yeah, I'm skipping a. Yeah, exactly. I'm skipping a week. Yeah, because isn't it? Uh, they play ECU this week. Then they go to the conference tournament. Yeah, because the, the tournament's yeah, so, in May. Yeah, exactly. Memorial so, Day is the championship. Yep. So a couple more weeks till that. We'll see. Hopefully we won't lose anybody between now and next week um, in the portal. That, that really hurts. So and, yeah, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get some in some. the other way too. Yeah, exactly. yeah, focus on the positive. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, have a good week. Go Dukes.